Welcome to GovIT, a monthly podcast series from DLT, where we discuss the next generation of public sector IT solutions with the technology innovators driving the change. I'm your host, Tom Temin. Each month, we explore a different technology, what it is and how it can help public sector organizations achieve their modernization goals and accomplish their missions. This week, we're sitting down with Chris Roberts, manager of the federal engineering team at Quest, to discuss the recent rise in ransomware attacks like the Colonial Pipeline attack targeting the public sector and what agencies must do to ensure they're not the next ones exploited. Chris, good to have you with us. Good to be here. And, of course, ransomware is very much in the news. It seems like there's a high-profile attack almost weekly or monthly, the Colonial Pipeline hack being the most prominent recent ones. This is not something new. It's been with us for decades. Why is it on the rise, do you think? Well, I think, like you said, it's been around for a long time, but for our current situation, we're seeing an increase in what I call perimeter. Perimeter is the attack surface that attackers and hackers will use to infiltrate networks. So think of um, all our remote users using mobile endpoints, workstations, laptops, edge devices, um, a lot of infrastructure going to the cloud. We've seen lots of instances where people have incorrectly secured their data containers in Amazon and AWS, for instance, or Azure, and resulting in data loss. Same thing for identity. That is, you'd see a lot of um, companies, especially mine, using two-factor or multi-factor authentication. Um, if you have a Gmail account, for instance, um, they provide two-factor authentication. And then there are companies that use a lot of APIs to communicate with their applications, that is, move data back and forth, authorize users, um, and really just run their processing that way. And this has increased the number of vectors that an attack can use to gain infiltration to a network. And this is not new. If you look at the historicals of this, this started, wow, like we talked about earlier, um, back in the computer mainframe days, this is just simple computer security hacking, poning passwords, for instance, using backdoors. But now it has real world implications. Um, historically, I like to point back to something that our intelligence community doesn't like to talk about, but the Stuxnet debacle, where we literally um, had a piece of software attack a specific device on a nuclear centrifuge, for instance, and it was just designed for that device. The fallout from that was it didn't just stay at that facility, it spread across the, the internet. That also happened with um, WannaCry and NotPetya. If you remember um, the MERSC hack where they lost control of their network when that NotPetya virus, which was written specifically for Ukraine accounting software by the Russians, um, spread across their domain controllers. And once it got on their domain controllers, it encrypted them. And once that happened, they couldn't even communicate across their shipping network. If you remember, ships were stuck in port, kind of like the, um, the canal debacle that happened with the Evergreen. But that is really what we're looking at right now. It's just the progression of software, okay. progression of attacks across the networks today. And what do we know about the attackers? Clearly, in the case of Colonial Pipeline, you had a fairly sophisticated group. It was not just, you know, the basement kids of proverbial fame, nor was it the Russian government. It's somewhere in between. And so exactly. what is it important to know about who's behind them and if you are attacked? And what do we know in general? Well, it's important to understand is that these are sophisticated hacks or attacks. Um, they start out with infiltrating the network, and that's usually done with a phishing campaign or compromised credentials. And from there, they're laying in what we call ransomware. Ransomware is designed to do one thing specific, and that is encrypt data in exchange for the encryption key. You've got to pay the ransom, so to speak. And what we're learning now is that 
the hackers, in this case, dark side, for instance, and we, we think they're in, in Russia, for instance, or they have sanctuary in Russia, and, and I'm not going to speak for the intelligence community, but this particular piece of software was really dangerous, and it infiltrated the IT network, um, and that enabled them to encrypt the data and just simply say, hey, if you want your data back, you got to pay a ransom. Um, that is sinister in itself, but as you see the trickle effect that happened here on the East Coast, we had shortages of gas, for instance, for, for pumping stations, and that also filtered over to the airline industry. And if you kept going on, if it protracted, we're talking about the oil industry as well for heating oil and for other production petroleum products as well. And there's a subtle difference here between this type of attack and what you described earlier in the Stuxnet, and yes. that is Stuxnet attacked the infrastructure, the control systems directly. This actually got the information systems of Colonial, which worried the company so much that they shut down the infrastructure. And exactly. so bridging over to federal networks, what could the effects be simply on the information networks and the hope that it would bridge over to control networks or are control networks themselves still directly vulnerable? Absolutely. So they took an important step. And I think a lot of people disagree on their actual process, but getting into the information technology or the IT network itself, and that's workstation servers, for instance, where a lot of data is stored. But there's another side or another network called OT, operational technology, where control systems are actually run. That is, think of sensors and valves. I mean, if you think of a pipeline, um, somebody literally can hit a switch and a pneumatic pump will start, for instance, to move fuel through a line. That, if you think about it, that can have detrimental effects. Um, If you look back to the Shamoon attack on Saudi Aramco, that's what the Iranians did. They literally attacked the OT network basically destroyed data on the networks of the operational side of the house so they couldn't even move oil across their pipelines. And that's the risk to the homeland, that's the risk to our infrastructure, and this was just petroleum. What if it was water or electricity or other products that we depend on for our our communities? Got it. And so for the public sector organizations that you deal with, federal agencies and state and local, I guess, for that matter, and lots of even local municipalities operate water systems and in some Mm -hmm. cases their own electrical systems, substations. What should they do to mitigate this risk? What are some strategies for dealing with it? That is probably the most important question today, because I think a lot of folk take this security for granted. I mean, you talk to my mom, for instance, like, well, I've got antivirus software. Shouldn't I be okay? Um, And that's great for endpoints. And I think too much security is focused on an endpoint. Now, yes, an endpoint's important, but it doesn't end there. So after you get through endpoint protection, you've got to look at things like 2FA and MFA, that is two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. That is, I'm sent a text message by my bank to log in to verify it's me. Better yet, not just a text, but I also have an authenticator app, for instance, that gives me a special code to access the system. There's also privileged account management. This will really help in the case of a colonial pipeline or even the case of anyone operating an OT network. Privileged account management simply says that if you aren't authorized to use this account itself, you don't gain access to that segment of the network. That's part of the whole zero trust architecture that a lot of federal agencies are pushing. Um, the other stage, so the important thing to protect yourselves is, is a multi-stage backup plan. That is, don't just back up your stuff and forget about it. You've got to have a backup plan that stages those backups and then also moves part of those backups or critical backups to an air gap storage system. That is something that is not connected to the network because once that worm starts encrypting things, it'll also encrypt your backups. And the last thing I'll say is train, 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 because when these attacks happen, it's usually operator or user error. The more training you have, the better off you will be. 
And as the saying goes, it's not a matter of when, but if a particular organization will get hacked. Is there any strategy besides, as again, in the case of Colonial, they simply paid the ransom because they felt that was the best way out of this? Any way around that? Once you're hacked, it's late to think about paying the ransom, quite frankly, because here's the double the double edged side of this. And that is you may get ransomware and they may encrypt you. There's now a new technique where they call it. They'll double encrypt. So like you will say, okay, yeah, we'll pay the ransom. And they'll say, oh, they're willing to pay up. And then you find out that it only gave you the the key to unencrypt one part of your network. And they've encrypted another part of your network with another set of ransomware. So you now have to pay again. Those are the extreme examples, okay? And then there's also data extortion. That is part of the malware will not just encrypt, but will also exfiltrate your data and they'll hold it hostage. This happened to the DC police department, for instance, where they said, hey, if you don't pay up, we're gonna start releasing names of informants. That is the real danger in this. To us. And if you think of it, if you're a public agency, this is creates an erosion of public trust in our ability to protect not just data, but also our homeland on our infrastructure. So prevention is key in this. You've got to follow good cybersecurity practice. Um, I tell all my customers, you've got to look at what CISA says about cybersecurity, specifically what they say about um, ransomware. They have a, a directive out right now around ransomware. I suggest all my customers, federal as commercial, definitely read that guide. Um, our firm, Quest, we specialize in these types of solutions. We help our customers every day around these issues, especially multi-stage backups, for instance, and air gap in those backups. Great advice, great insight from Chris Roberts, the manager of Quest Software's federal engineering team. Thanks so much for being with us. Outstanding. Great to be here. Thanks for the time. For more on how Quest and DLT are helping public sector organizations protect against ransomware attacks, data hacks, and bad actors, visit DLT.com. You've been listening to GovIT from DLT. We'll be back next month with more. I'm Tom Temin.